Two Guys, One Shaker Cup Podcast, hosted by Joshua Shaw and Ryan Buckeye. What's going on, everybody? Welcome inside the Two Guys, One Shaker Cup Podcast. It's known around the world. Actually, Josh just down in South Beach, Boca Raton, Florida, took a picture with uh, the affiliate manager over at Redcon 1 with a shaker bottle, making it in its rounds on the internet. It's, it's funny to see how many people actually like listen and love the name. Um, what also is funny, Josh, is I just realized how small your head is. I'm looking at Josh across the screen right now. So if you guys are watching on YouTube, he's got a snapback on, and he's got every button of the snapback <laughs> part of his hat. And then I'm looking at mine, and I have four. So like, I either have a giant head, Josh, or yours is just fucking tiny. I have no idea. Um, I mean, like in terms of like a new era hat, I think I wear one or seven and one eight. So it's pretty small. It's not, you know, it's not super small, but it's definitely a lot smaller than your That's head. what you tell the ladies. I get it. I yeah. get it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, today we're going to talk about a, a topic that we've sort of touched on in the past in terms of personal branding, but we're going to talk more or less about if you actually own a business and how to leverage the different social media platforms to grow your actual business. And, and we know that not every business is a quote unquote personal brand. So how do you leverage each individual platform? to uh, be successful, I guess, in business. And the, the thing to preface is like Josh and I aren't like mastermind social media marketers, but we've, we've also been able to use the appropriate platforms to grow our individual businesses. In your case, Josh, like with LinkedIn, for instance, like your business is your personal brand. Um, but it's, it's interesting because we don't, sp- we don't spend a lot of time outside of Facebook and Instagram at this point, like in, in today's age. But there are social media platforms like, I mean, we do YouTube, obviously, but Pinterest still exists, and it's still very popular for a lot of, for a lot of brands. Um, LinkedIn is a, uh, I, I still think, like an underdeveloped, like an under-tapped social media platform. So let's start with LinkedIn, Josh, because I, um, you know, I'll post something on LinkedIn, and it'll get 50 likes, and it's like, Jesus, I don't even get 50 likes on Facebook sometimes. And so like, the exposure on LinkedIn for you and your business makes complete sense because you're, you're, you have consulting services, but you've also posted some really good informative videos just on dietary supplements or vitamin shop or just individual like niche topics that do really well. Yeah, for me, I mean, this has been kind of a, a thing that I've told people for the longest time. This is over probably the last four to five years um, is that LinkedIn is extremely undervalued in terms of the overall social media kind of platforms. And I think one of the most important things about uh, LinkedIn, at least for a creator or somebody that's in uh, business or trying to um, create some noise in their in their business, is that they actually give you some stats um, without having to pay for anything around like your organic reach, which um, comparable to some of the other platforms, you really don't really know how many people are seeing your uh, posts or your articles or whatever that is. Um, you could see that. You know, there's some type of um, maybe percentage on Facebook or Instagram that'll say that you only get organic reach now, you know, six to seven percent or something like that. But on LinkedIn, it actually just shows you like how far uh, that post has kind of went out there. Um, also, kind of a lot of uh, stats around like who saw it from a standpoint of like the level of the professional, the company in which the professional works. Um, what was the location of the professional that saw it. So there's all these like different stats for me as a nerd that's super interesting because then that helps me really understand like who am I reaching, um, what kind of content maybe they would like to see more of because if I'm seeing a ton of maybe people from uh, GNC or maybe Glambia or something like that, I know if I have certain topics that are close to home for them, I'm going to get a ton more initial engagement and then it's going to kind of work with it. But for my specific 
uh, fitness related type of, of brand. Obviously it's with consulting and consulting is obviously a professional service. So my home is in LinkedIn. I mean, that's kind of where the bread and butter is at that not might not be necessarily where most people would think to go first or to go at all. Mm -hmm. uh, but I know over the last couple of years that I've been working with um, some different entrepreneurs, I have kind of peppered in the uh, kind of comments of, hey, I don't really see you using LinkedIn all that much. Um, how, why not? And you sort of figure out what the heck's going on. But a lot of like entrepreneurs, like supplement brand owners or uh, retail chain owners or things like that, they're not utilizing that as an appropriate social channel. Because for whatever reason, I think to your point, you know, we default to maybe the most popular ones or the ones that maybe get the most attention right now, which is, you know, Facebook or Instagram or maybe uh, YouTube. But LinkedIn's kind of, to me, a sleeping giant. I think it's one of these areas where if you can utilize it correctly, it could be a monster for your business. Mm -hmm. I agree, man. I mean, in terms of a personal use, I love going to LinkedIn at least once a day in the morning, um, even in the afternoon, just to see like what people are up to and like where they're at because hey, for us like we both work within brands that we need to you know we can find people on LinkedIn that are the direct contact points but you know you brought up you worked with entrepreneurs and you kind of poked at them and said like why aren't you using them and, and case in point Mark Loblinger even has given you credit uh, talked about like he had not used LinkedIn really until discussing with you and now he uses it a lot for the outright bar and that and and the exposure there with him I think LinkedIn has probably even gotten him meetings with like Holly gas stations or at least got him like in front of the right people to expand his brand so if you're a brand owner and you think like you need to use LinkedIn as a as a tool to promote your brand to consumers you might be able to promote your brand to a buyer at Target or a buyer at a C store somewhere like that is massively big if they discover your product or discover your service through a LinkedIn post. Because what's interesting about LinkedIn, too, is like when you tag somebody, their extended network is more apt to see it versus Facebook and Instagram at this point. So if I tag at Josh Shaw on Instagram, Josh Shaw's friends aren't going to see that fucking post. Like, unless you share it, they're not going to see it. Same with Facebook now. Like, if I tag you in a Facebook post, some of your friends might see it. But I mean, as I mentioned, but now on LinkedIn, it's like it goes in front of your people. I can't tell you how many times I posted something through FI on LinkedIn that I have random people that are not part of my network comment or like that I've never even known in my life that I eventually connect with and then we develop a relationship. But you probably have the same thing too. You probably, I mean, you know a lot of people within this space, a lot of professionals because that's who you work with. But the amount of comments and engagement that you get on some of your posts, even even the, this podcast, you post this podcast on there and we, we'll get 50 likes and a bunch of engagement. I don't know half the people. Do you know everybody who comments on your stuff? Uh, at this point, no. I mean, there was a point where I was very picky in terms of like actually needing to know. And that also was kind of the evolution of LinkedIn in general, where before it was really if you worked with somebody or you knew them, that was the only connections that you had. Now it's more common for people to add connections of like common interests or common industries or, you know, those types of things. So over the you know last so many years that the evolution of LinkedIn has kind of uh, moved, I have not um, completely known all of the uh, people that um, that I connect with, but it's always fun when I'm at like trade shows or conferences, and somebody comes up to me out of nowhere and says like, "Oh, hey, I love your content," and then they say their name, and then I connect the dots, like, "Oh, yeah, like yeah. You, you engage all the time," but like I didn't know them in person, so it's kind of that that backwards type of a situation. Um, I don't want people to um, like, kind of like pigeonhole LinkedIn um, if you're not like a professional service or maybe you're not like an entrepreneur of like a consumer. 
uh, packaged good because I also think it's underutilized from even like a fitness professional, like a trainer or mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah. Now, you wouldn't want to post about, uh, you wouldn't want to post like, you know, shirtless photos or things like that. Now, every once in a while you see some of those things, but I don't think that's necessarily the place for you to like yeah, show be. off your body. It's more about, okay, you have this skill set of training people or, or diet or nutrition. There's a lot of professionals that are struggling with those same things, but in the context of their work life or, mm -hmm. you know, trying to figure out how to do maybe a five minute or 10 minute workout in between their meetings or something like that. So if you can somehow uh, target the audience, uh, LinkedIn being such a professional kind of social media, if you can put it towards that, I think you have a ton of runway for people to be like, dang, okay, that's something new. Then they contact you. Maybe you have some type of service that helps business professionals get in shape or eat right. better, or whatever it is. I mean, I think that there is just a ton of opportunity that nobody's even really even thinking about. They're just sitting yeah. there and thinking, well, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, the operations manager at this company, so I don't need to be on there. I, I'm a fitness trainer or whatever. There's so much opportunity um, in LinkedIn, but I think we'll see across all the other platforms we're going to talk about, there's a ton of opportunity that people are missing as well. Yeah, and I think even just one final point on LinkedIn, you mentioned that too. Like a lot of these companies, if you're developing ebooks and like training plans to like be a lead gen tool for your business, why not use LinkedIn? I mean, they're, they're, they, they need workout plans too. Like a working professional needs to still work out. You can create a specific workout plan for corporate America users. I mean, it's, I love LinkedIn. I can't give LinkedIn enough credit. I mean, it got me jobs in the past. It got me in contact with the right people. It's gotten me business through Fitness Informant. Obviously, it's gotten you business. And I, it, to your point on our podcast, I get people saying, love your podcast with Josh Hall. And I'm thinking like, well, how do, how, who, who are you? I've never met you, right? But like, <laughs> it's because they've, um, you know, they, they, they discovered it on LinkedIn. Another platform underutilized, but maybe rightfully so, is uh, Twitter. Twitter historically used to be 140 characters. They since expand to 280, which I thought was a mistake. I don't like it. Um, I like the short and sweet uh, to the point. Uh, for me, I used Twitter personally more as sort of like a news source um, for football and, and different things like that. I didn't, I don't, I'm 32 years old. I don't read the fucking newspaper. So I use Twitter, you know, like I would see what our president is tweeting, which is a lot. And then, you, you know, you scroll through everything going on. But brands, for the most part, from a brand side of things, I don't see it a lot. I see somebody like Dan from Ghost doing it personally and then to, you know, doing some stuff with Ghost, but really I don't see brand owners or brands engage a lot on Twitter or promote their stuff on Twitter. And maybe it's because I'm not looking in the right places, but I, and I, don't, I don't sit and check Twitter notoriously at all like I do with Instagram and Facebook. But I mean when I check it, I don't see anything. It is a very tough platform for brands, um, at least from my perspective when I – talk to brands around social media or the conversation just turns towards social media and we you know, talk about Twitter. I always kind of consider that being a customer service kind of place. Like people uh, want to be able to get a hold of you as quick as possible. And, and sometimes they'll message you through Facebook or Instagram or whatever, but a lot, a lot of other people maybe will make a comment or um, will message uh, directly message you on Twitter. So to me, it, it's also like a customer service um, type of an extension. Uh, for me as just a consumer of, of social media, I, I agree. I use it as like a news source. It's the most up-to-date news source, even like locally. When there's mm -hmm. something happening downtown, I hear a bunch of sirens or something going on. A lot of times I'll just check Twitter for different uh, trending topics in Austin to see like, you know, did something happen or whatever, because that's going to be much quicker than me waiting until the 5 o'clock news or the 10 o'clock news or whatever that is. So for me, that's kind of how I've utilized it over the years. Uh, 
I it's tough because I don't spend a bunch of time on Twitter yeah. to like see what other people are doing. I post a, a several articles a day and things that I'm reading. I have like a plug-in on uh, my browser that basically when I'm done reading something and I find it interesting, I just kind of click share and, and it shares on uh, Twitter. So for me, that's just my way of kind of contributing. And then through the engagement there, if I get some likes or I get some uh, people asking about there, then I'll engage there. Uh, but for the most part, I don't do a very good job on Twitter as well. And that's mostly because if I am like breaking up my day throughout uh, social media and trying to figure out where's my most value at, a lot of times I don't find the most value for me personally on Twitter because of the noise and I just get caught up in some weeds and mm -hmm. I start getting down some wormholes that I don't want to be in. And to me, I just have found that it's not as useful as other platforms. And I feel like probably a lot of other uh, fitness-based or fitness-related type of companies or businesses probably feel similar because of the nature of it just being like short comments. You really can't really create a bunch of like education. You can't create like a ton of like really thought provoking right. conversation or anything like, I don't know. It's to me, it, it just has never been the platform that I have focused the most on, but I know people have like made tons of um, business or personal brand uh, from Twitter over the years. It's just to me, I, I don't know. It's just not for me. I thought you made a great point in there in terms of customer service. I think it's a, a phenomenal platform for that. I, I mean, I've used it specifically myself for Sprint before and Beats by Dre, um, where I tweet you know, at their service on there and they get back to me quick and we do it through DM via chat because, listen, nobody wants to pick up the fucking phone and sit on hold for, for, for you know, an hour. Nobody wants to. Do you ever try calling Delta before during, during time where you can't get them on the phone or an airline? Like, Jesus Christ. So it's nice to be able to actually have that interchange through a DM. Which Twitter is a great place for it. Twitter is also a great place if you're going to have that customer service conversation to showcase your skills for the world to see. This is an opportunity for you to sell your brand as a customer-centric brand. Like, are you going to tweet out there for the world to see, Josh? All fuck off. You're not going to do it. Like, no, you're going to take the right steps. I hope to rectify a situation in which you probably had messed up. Um, and 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 we've seen brands on both sides of this before with and with I mean basically outside of our industry, but we have seen brands handle things terrible on Twitter. And there's a ton of blowback. So it's, you have to be careful with it. But if you do it correctly and you, and you stick to whatever values you have in terms of customer service, you can become a champion brand real quick with customers. And, and that word of mouth that people said, remember, you see that Twitter exchange between brand A and this, this customer and they, you know, Whirlpool bought them a new washer or whatever the hell it is. Like, it's a really cool tool for that. The other tool I think it could be cool for that we haven't, that I haven't seen a lot of is Instagram has in their stories, and, and you've seen this, like the questions feature, right, where you can ask me anything questions. Like Twitter's an opportunity for that too. Like ask the professional. Somebody like Jay Cutler who owns his own supplement line now too. He can do a Q&A and all those show up on Twitter so people can scroll through and read all the, the responses to it. I've seen that in other industries. Like ask, I mean, I come from the pro wrestling world, so pro wrestlers do it all the time. Like, hey, I have 15 minutes to spare at the, at the airport. Hit me with some questions. And you see all these questions. Like why, we can do that as a brand. But, I mean, we, we, I don't see it a lot. And, again, I think to your point, Twitter is not the first app I open in the morning. In fact, I don't open Twitter until probably 10, 30, 11 o'clock, and then I, I see what I missed, and it's always Mark Lobar yelling at a bunch of people, and then I, and I call it a day. So, I mean, I, then I go <laughs> off of it. But, I mean, I think there is an opportunity specifically on the customer service side, if you are a brand, to leverage Twitter a little bit more saying, like, listen – Want, we want, where's your order at? You, your order wasn't correct. Like, tweet us at this. Have somebody at your place that is educated and responsible with proper responses um, and, and make it a win. Make it a point of differentiation for your business for, so that way people can see what you're about. Um, 
so let's talk. I mean, we we left the, the two giants. We, we we're probably not gonna spend any time on TikTok because honestly, I just got TikTok like three months ago and I've posted four things. So, but I will say let let's go. That's that's more than that's more than me. I, I saved my username on there. Yeah, but I was like, I don't that's know the only reason I did it. So, and I see some people do some really cool stuff on TikTok, like really cool stuff. But I'm just like. I ain't got time to snap my fingers and have a change of clothing. Like, I don't do that. So yeah. um, so technically, there's three social media platforms. Let's talk about YouTube because YouTube has become more of a social media platform than it once was. Once upon a time, YouTube was a place to upload and watch videos. Literally, that's it. Now there's status updates. There's live videos. You can chat with people. I mean, there are so many different features within YouTube. It's kind of cool that I use YouTube. I mean, I have... I mean, you and I both love YouTube. That's where we live. Like, we both have a ton of subscribers, a ton of minutes watched each month. It's great. But I, I will be fully honest with you. I have not leveraged all the cool new tools they have. I don't do the status updates, but I think you have to have maybe X amount of subscribers to be able to unlock some of these features. Um, but YouTube, obviously owned by Google, because Google Plus died. So I think they're putting their, you know, putting their assets here in the YouTube. It's like, we live in the video world, people. YouTubers, baby. Vlogs, I guess is what you call them, right? And then here's an opportunity for people to leverage a different type of platform using video, but also using your traditional social media tools. Um, but I have not used many of them yet, but I, I find that it's becoming like in your YouTube app at least, like you have two sort of like tabs you can go to now and you can see all those status updates. It's kind of cool. Yeah, I don't, I don't tend to like even really pay much attention. I have seen them over the last you know year or so when that feature kind of came through. To me, it's, I'm there to still like consume a video a lot of times. And then that's kind of the, the point. I think YouTube to me has always been, this is your chance to own your own TV network, yep. your own TV shows. Like, I mean, you basically get to uh, you know, do everything you want on there and, and hopefully it, you know, it's, it's beneficial to your business. But it's also, to me, I think it's the most difficult uh, platform out of all of them yeah. because if you're talking on a video me specifically um you know I, 10 minutes 12 minutes something like that mm -hmm. um, i have to be very um, sure of what i'm saying uh, when i'm saying it because it opens up a ton of like exposure liability for me like i say one thing out of the 10 minutes where uh, people will pick on that <laughs> and that yeah. could be the case where like all of a sudden everything else gets uh, torn down so it, it to me i think it like it's really um tough i think uh to to utilize it in a way that, that is going to be consistently positive for your business uh, because you have to always be almost perfect in a sense um, i'll bring up kind of one point and i think you'll probably uh, add to this as well is that to me and why i i kind of shifted to youtube in my business is that um it is the I think arguably outside of uh, Google itself, um, which you get benefit as well, and then mm -hmm. uh, Amazon, it's it's the third biggest uh, search engine. Yeah, so yeah. basically people are utilizing it for everything. So non-branded type of searches. So for me, creating a ton of content and having the ability to tag uh, both inside my video and outside of it on the back end, like just different search terms or different topics that I talked about in a 10 minute video, that has a ton of just um, long-term um, positivity to me in terms of like getting people to watch those videos even three or four or five years from now. Um, I've only been on YouTube for I think about a year and a half or so, but like even if I look back, I also still get views like in my first 10, 15 videos, like consistent views. So mm -hmm. uh, it's beneficial because all of that content library is constantly getting watched even when you're producing new ones. Yeah, 100%. 
I think YouTube is the most valuable social media platform on the planet, and and you hit it because it's the third largest search engine, I think, or maybe maybe it's, yeah, yeah I maybe think it's second. second. I think it's I mean, like, and it's Amazon's so much different. Yeah, I think it's second. I think it's second to yeah. Google, but I think also, I mean. YouTube is Google. Like, if you Google yeah. t- a term like uh, XXX pre workout, whatever, video results come up, right? Video is a separate tab. It comes up in your actual main page stuff. They pull in video from YouTube, they pull in news sources from different news things. So, like, if Josh Shaw does a topic that's relevant, like um, Avocare restructures their MLM thing, that was a big thing a couple of months ago or a couple of weeks ago. Somebody types in Avocare, you know, lawsuit or whatever, a Josh Shaw video might come up in the first page of Google. And that's there, and it's going to be there forever. That's the thing. Like your Facebook statuses don't show up in Google. Your Facebook videos uh, can part, can at some point show up in Google, but Google is going to obviously put precedent on their own. Um, they own the video as soon as you upload. Like it's their stuff now. So um, that's why I love it. I love it because you have an opportunity to not only like kill it in YouTube. You have an opportunity to be. Uh, within Google, but I also love it, and I think this is a common mistake brands make, is they don't respond to every comment, or they don't engage with consumers in the comment section. I get notifications every day, like 30 to 50 notifications of people commenting on my stuff. Good or bad, I make it a point to respond to every single one, because I think it's super important for brand building. Plus, if you win somebody over, they're going to hit that sub button, and the more subscribers you have, the obviously the more notifications go out when you're new, new, new content streams. It be, you become more valuable, at least me and you, we become more valuable to brands who want to work with us. Um, but for brands out there, like if you have a new product launch and you want to do a product breakdown, talk about it. Like talk about that product on there. Break it down because inevitably someone's going to search about your product some at some point because they're going to see a social media ad on Facebook and be like, what's this about? And they're going to they're gonna type in brand pre-workout and your video might come up and it might help explain something to them that they didn't quite understand and now that leads to a conversion. And that video will live forever. It doesn't go away. Uh, it's it, Basically, a video that's 10 years old can always be fresh. If it's a relevant topic and a relevant video and gets a lot of views, it's always going to show up, which is super cool. And, and, and not to mention, like, you can monetize your YouTube platform through ad placements if you want to. I mean, candidly, I make, like, 200 bucks a month now uh, on YouTube. It's not a lot of money, but it's, like, cool to have, right? I mean, I put yeah. it back into whatever. Um, but, I mean, that's the ultimate goal. Like, if you don't, you don't care, you can make some ad revenue by allowing people within the, that industry to, to advertise on your stuff. But... I think it's a great place to engage with consumers because people who engage in, in videos, like they watched your video. So like if your video is 10 minutes long, they spend 10 minutes of their day wanting to know about what the fuck you're talking about. So they're interested in whatever it is that you're selling or you're providing versus a Twitter where you're, you're doing 280 characters and you can read in, in, in three seconds or whatever it is, right? Um, so I think YouTube, and, and it's amazing how many brands I reach out to, Josh, be like, do you guys have like a YouTube channel? And they do, but they got like two videos. And it's like... Yeah. What are we doing? Video is like video is hot right now. You should hire a videographer. That's why you, like we talk about the brand all the time. But Ghost, like they leverage video and they do this build a brand thing on YouTube, and their YouTube reality TV show is watched by a shit ton of people. It buy it, it, it promotes the the authenticity of their brand and everything about it. Like they have done a phenomenal job of leveraging that platform better than anybody else in in the space. I think that most of the time, at least from the conversations I have with brands. Um, a lot of times they're intimidated by it because they believe that it needs to be like this perfect production. Like they need no. to be um, out there producing the next Amazon special or the next HBO great show. Like literally a lot of times uh, people are watching the most, like most popular videos. A lot of times they're like very much shot on your uh, camera phone or on yeah. your iPhone. It's, it's, it's like, they don't really have mics. They don't have like backdrops. They don't have all this kind of stuff. It's 
the storytelling or the content of like what value are you giving to um, your audience over the production value? Um, right. This isn't you going out and building the next uh, Fox uh, Studios. This is literally like tear it down to yeah. storytelling or value. And you could create that with anything. You don't need to have like your own videographers and tens of thousands of dollars in equipment. And, and that stuff obviously helps. I mean, that's stuff that you build on over time. But like, I think people forget, like they want to get to a point Z when they're only at point A mm -hmm. and they want to skip all those other steps. Like you, you still have to put in the time and put in the work. So for me, a lot of times it comes down to like, there's this level of like, intimidation or fear that comes with YouTube because of the things we talked about before. We're like, it is very tough to put yourself out there or your brand out there um, in for 10 minutes or maybe mm -hmm. you know, a couple minutes or put a bunch of videos out there that people can pick apart. Um, it's a lot easier for people to pick apart videos, um, long videos over you making a post and you being able to edit it real quick or whatever. Like when that's up there live, it's live unless mm -hmm. you take it down. So it's not, you're not able to scrub it. Uh, you know, you made some typos or you made some, you know, this or that or whatever. So especially if you're not catching those things when you're doing the editing process. And that's probably another kind of point to even bring up around YouTube is that there is um, some extra time that goes into it. So a lot of times people are intimidated from that as well as like you have to edit yeah. uh, video as well. And there's a lot of other things that go into um, the upload process that maybe takes time. Um, that's a little bit more, um, you know, kind of tough than just like doing 280 characters on Twitter. Yeah, invest more now to to gain a lot more later. Kind of is what I think with YouTube. Yeah. I mean, there there, and then the last thing on YouTube, which is super valuable, is there's a there's a little button, Josh, that says share, which gives you a link that you can then post into Facebook and LinkedIn and all these other yeah. platforms we're talking about, and it'll actually populate an image and it looks like the video is part of that platform. So, like your videos can be shared and viewed and just like there's a lot of good stuff about YouTube. Um, so we talked about three platforms that are underutilized within the space. The two major platforms, which we're not going to spend the most amount of time on because everybody knows about them, are, are Facebook and Instagram. And they're one and the same. One is essentially, uh, we'll talk about Instagram first. Uh, Instagram being just a visual platform for the most part, right? Um, it's also an opportunity for brands to, to get DMs. And, and the story feature is fairly still, fi still fairly new within Instagram, but very popular. Um, it, it's an easy way for brands to promote. Like if you're not on Instagram and you're a brand in the space, like, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I mean, I don't understand why you wouldn't. Um, but it, it's, it, it's also very difficult to reach people organically. And you also need to understand that a lot of brands in this space do this thing called where they purchase followers, which I, I hate. Like I hate it. But if you ever want to call bullshit on a brand, there are different uh, tools out there in which you can type in their username and it'll tell you how quickly they got followers. And if you see, they went from like five thousand followers to twenty thousand followers in a day. They just bought fifteen thousand followers. So you, you can call bullshit on some of these brands. But the thing is, like. Your reach, and we talked about this earlier, on both Facebook and Instagram, your organic reach has been uh, purposely driven down by those platforms because they want you to pay. And I don't blame yeah. them for it. Like, they built these, Facebook built these platforms or owned these platforms to get them somewhere. If they want my money because I want to reach more people, then I'm going to pay. But there's value in paying. Like, there are, you know, man, you've seen some of these ad, ad budgets for some of these companies. And what they put into Facebook alone is just like, Massive amounts of money that people that are listening to this podcast could only dream that they could make in a year. You know, like they are huge, huge um, uh, budgets. But if you have to be there, it's a pay-to-play platforms. But you you have to do it to be successful, or at least to get over that ten million dollar mark within this space. Like if you're a supplement company, like you need to be advertising. I, I believe like you can't just sit back and expect word of mouth and your your D to C site to go organically. Like you need to be advertising on these platforms. 
Yeah, unless you, you're slow and steady type of a thing where you're just like, you're not really worried about speed or, or anything like that. I mean, yeah, we're talking around, you know, the pay to play aspect of it. Uh, Facebook, and then obviously for those that are not aware, they also own Instagram. Um, you know, they have the kind of the best ad tools, mm-hmm. I guess, in terms of like social media, um, in terms of how you can like just hyper target kind of everything, um, which is interesting to me, like common people, maybe people that are not they don't work um, around social media a lot, or maybe they don't necessarily pay much attention to the business uh, perspective of Facebook or Instagram or any of these social medias. Um, when all that kind of stuff went down with like Cambridge Analytica and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff around, like people were so surprised at the level of detail uh, that a company like Facebook had on them and then was also selling to other kind of companies. Um, and it, it, it kind of surprised me at least because I thought, you know, that's how they make their money. Yeah. And the point of it is, is like they're acquiring a ton of user data, both from on the platform, off the platform. They're kind of putting it all together in a very unique way that uh, specifically knows us better than we know ourselves mm, yeah. and knows our drivers, influences, all those types of things. It's constantly listening to us on our microphone. We've mentioned this on, on tons of podcasts where we start talking about things and then, you know, it does show up within 20 minutes on our on our yep. streams. We know that's happening because that's, you know, obviously something that uh, they are leveraging with brands. But for whatever reason, um, people were surprised by all of this. Uh, but if you're on the brand side, you know how powerful these ad tools are and that's part of the reason why you're okay paying for it in a lot of cases because if you really want to hyper target certain specific geographical areas or certain um, attributes of a person or Mm -hmm. the behaviors you're able to do that in a way that's very special to the facebook platform Um, so it kind of goes with both ways it's like if you're willing to build your brand digitally you have to be okay with also spending money on ads if you want to kind of speed up the process a little bit. You could just try to go word of mouth old school and, and, and try to do that, but it's going to be a very slow build unless yeah. you have something special that kind of hits that is more a shareable or, or something that becomes viral that has nothing to do with you actually having to pay for that ad to get some extra exposure. So uh, that's you know my case in terms of like these kind of big ones of Facebook and and Instagram. I know for Facebook, for me, um, I like the aspect of uh, there's a shareable kind of part of it, which is much different than Instagram Mm -hmm. uh, because Instagram, like if you like um, something, a video or like, it's very hard for you to share it in a way that you either have to like, you know, screenshot or you have to do these things. They've tried their best to try to add some extra tools to do that. You can share it on your stories or, or something like that. But with a Facebook, um, if you have your uh, posts open to everybody and somebody catches it, all of a sudden they share it, share it, share it, share it. All of a sudden it gets, you know, 10,000 shares. You didn't have to pay for any of that reach, which is pretty unique comparable to some of the other platforms. Uh, maybe you know, Twitter has a similar um, kind of shareability and right. then in, uh, LinkedIn does in a sense as well. But Facebook is kind of the king of, of shareable content. Um, if you think about the you know, social medias. Yeah, and then similar with YouTube, like there are things to think about within Facebook and Instagram too when you're posting. So if you're sharing like it, like a link from your webpage and you have a featured image, make sure that featured image is obviously um, formatted for those platforms. Make sure you limit the text because if there's more text in your image, Facebook will 
say we're not going to show it to as many people. It's what they do. Um, there's just a, there's a lot of things to learn about them. So totally understand why it's intimidating. All these platforms are super intimidating. Um, thankfully for guys like like Josh and I, like we grew up with a computer in our in our laps. So um, it, it kind of forced us. I mean, I I did digital marketing for three years before launching. FI. So I was in charge of all that stuff. I learned these things. For the Olympia this year, I did a geo-targeted ad through fit, Fitness Informant. Like anybody who walked into that convention center, we pixeled them and they would eventually see our video or they could have had they been on the platform. So um, Pixel is another thing. If you're brand listening like and, and you, you're a smaller brand, you don't know how this works, like there's a, thing called a, there's, a, there's a thing called a pixel you put on your website. You can retarget and remarket to those people. You can grab all the information from those people who come to your website, find an audience that looks just like them. So that's why Facebook is super powerful. It's probably the most powerful platform in terms of data collection, um, you know, it, it, by far the most powerful platform in terms of data collection. So I think, like, obviously, Facebook, I don't, some people are like, Facebook's dead. You, you, you're just down by Aaron Singerman. Aaron Singerman would be the first person to stand up and say Facebook is definitely not dead. And that's why I spend whatever he spends, which is crazy high. Um, and there's a lot of cool things as a brand you can do on Facebook. And not to, like, sit on the Redcon 1 train here, but, like, what Aaron does, and, and you probably have seen this, is, like, they're sponsored athletes that they have. They're also having ads come out through their plat their their pages for Redcon One. So you see like Luke Sandow or um, George the Bull, like they're doing the same ads that Redcon One is doing, but it reaches a completely different audience because they have different followers. So Aaron's done it better than anybody in terms of Facebook. But another brand too, like Alpha Line is a brand that I work with on, on the fitness informant side. They blew up on Facebook, like all these ads. And they're, and they're crazy marketing. But it works, and people then became aware. And here's the other thing about advertising on Facebook and Instagram and these social media platforms. Not just to the end consumer, but to retail outlets. So like, there might be retail outlets who have never heard of your brand before. If you're a supplement company, and now all of a sudden your ads show up on Facebook, and now they start looking into you and wondering what you're about. And next thing you know, they're, they're submitting a contact form request through the website. Next thing you know, you're in their retail stores or on their .com. So it's... It, it, to not do it, I think, is a huge mistake. I, I don't understand why. I don't understand why brands don't spend money on marketing because that's really – unless they're okay making what they make based on word of mouth. Totally cool. Not going not gonna to knock you. If that's your business philosophy and that's what you want to do, like Nutribio for the longest time didn't do anything in terms of advertising. Um, now they have a new marketing director there thanks to this podcast. No, I'm kidding. But, I mean, <laughs> part of this podcast. Uh, but, they're, they're, you know, you'll see them start to do things that they hadn't done before because they know they need to do it. So, um, dude, we could have spent, like, Two hours on this topic because I, 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 I'm thinking about things about LinkedIn right now and YouTube and um, it's, it's interesting. But like if you guys have any questions, on it, again, we're not super experts in these areas, but we know enough about the platforms that we were able to grow our own brands on them or through them. Uh, obviously, feel free to reach out via our Facebook page, which is Two Guys, One Shaker Cup. This podcast is on iTunes, Spotify. You can watch it on YouTube. Great social media platform. That's uh, Jay Shaw. Your Instagram handle again is it at J- Joshua Shaw. Yeah, it's just yeah. I basically use most of just my my name. Um, well, I think your name is like, the brand. Yeah, the name is the brand. It's kind of synonymous with it at this point, so it's just easier for me to do that as well. Because I mean, there's certain platforms like Facebook or LinkedIn where like I do have a company page as well on those platforms because they have that. But most of the things that are are kind of like Instagrams or or Twitters or you know whatever. I, I I tend to just use my normal name because people are searching and that's just easy for that on on Google search uh, yeah. results. Love it. And go ahead. If this is your first time listening, you've been listening for a while, give us a review. Helps out the algorithm through the social or through the social media platforms. Yeah, through the podcast platforms. Um, and um, we all need to start to start a Kickstarter campaign to get Josh Shaw t-shirts made. I need I need like a little character shirt, like a cartoon character of Josh Shaw with a backwards hat, and all I want on a black tee, plain black VT, 
is that with your autograph, and I think it'll sell I would, out. I would love that. I mean, if we could make that happen, I don't know if any people that uh, own maybe a screen printing a company that watches this or listens to this, hey, let's do it. I think we could sell at least two, one to Ryan and maybe one. I'm not to paying for it. I'm getting comped one. I'm getting comped one for this podcast. That's what I'm getting. All right, until next time, Josh Shaw, Ryan Buckeye, we appreciate you guys tuning in this week. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, YouTube, Google Podcast, and more. Follow us along on our social media channels. We're on Facebook, Two Guys, One Cup, Instagram, and Twitter.